Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast. With your hosts, Matty Wood, Matty Wood, Matthew Davis, Matthew Davis, and the Roto Gut, Vlad Sedler. Vlad Sedler. Hello and happy new year to you and welcome to the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Monday, January 2nd, and this is another episode of Mondays with Matty Wood. And today, my guest is somebody that you're quite familiar with because he is my co-host of this very podcast. It is Vlad Sedler. Good morning and Merry New Year to you. What up, what up, what up? Let's pump this up for the 2023 year. Let's go. Big VLAD <laughs> in the place to be. Yes, it's Mondays with Maddie Wood. Right. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. I'm glad to have you on uh, as a guest. You and I, uh, you know, we do all of our work together. But I figured it'd be fun to have you on um, sitting in the chair opposite of me, um, similar to what Phil DeSoe and Rob DiPietro did. So we'll kind of go through a similar outline that I've done in the past with those guys um, and then mix in some other stuff along the way. So we'll definitely be giving some baseball analysis a little bit here and there. Um, but I, I definitely want to kick things off per usual by asking you. Uh, what do you have to drink in the morning or what are you drinking this morning? So currently it is only 1130. Well, not only it is 1130 a.m. over here in Chicago to central time. You are over in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it is only 930. So it's still it's still morning time for you. What are you, what are you drinking? My, my mornings are usually pretty busy, so I don't I don't have the the luxury, the joy to just kind of like sit there with like some sort of fancy concocted uh you know kombucha or whatever uh or or coffee uh, basically i get i mean we're recording this on a day of that ends up being a holiday so I'm not taking you know kids to school or, or doing anything um so i am chilling obviously i'm sitting here with you um but usually i'm walking the dog in the morning running around and i just grab like an iced coffee to go just grab something from my freezer or from my fridge and just kind of drink it on the way um, I did have my iced coffee, and I will mention that I'm doing that thing where I wait an hour and a half at least after I woke up before I have that first uh, caffeine. I just heard it's something that helps you avoid crashing later on in the afternoon and uh, whatever. So I wouldn't know that because I still have another cup of coffee later in the afternoon. So that's what kind of avoids the crash. But either way, I'm sticking to that one and a half hour delay before my first cup of joe. Phil DeSoe texted me the other day and said, Happy New Year. And then he said that he was getting together his Vegas calendar, you know, kind of his itinerary and whatnot. And he mentioned that he was going to reserve uh, that Friday a.m. in Las Vegas uh, for my brunch. 
And so I've got to ask you, since you've been a part of this annual brunch for the last couple of years, what is your all-time favorite breakfast slash brunch dish, if you could choose anything to have? Oh, man, there are a lot of stuff. Um, I think uh, to, for one to say, the one thing I think is funny is when people say like, oh, I'm a foodie, I'm a big foodie. Um, yes, we're, I mean, aren't most people, we all, I eat. mean, it's food. We love food. Everyone loves food. Everyone loves delicious food. Um, so as far as all time favorite breakfast brunch, I think there's so many different things. I think, um, anything that has short rib hash involved based on, you know, what you and I have had in Vegas before at pre previous NFBCs, I think that's usually near the top. I think a phenomenal breakfast burrito, not overloaded with like, you know, too many potatoes or like um bacon that isn't crispy like it, it has to be like perfect right like really fine ingredients i think usually you know you do that and it's not overloaded to the point where you just want to sleep for the rest of the day i think usually something like that can go well um so those are i don't know those are probably okay. my top two good huevos rancheros as well Ooh, and i love i love that love chili killis for if, we, if we're doing the you know the mexican uh, you know sort of brunch there i'll, I'll chili get down. Chili killis. You got to say it right. You can't say like Julio Urias. No, hey, I'm pretty gotta, good with, with my, my Julio. Uh, my, you're from Cali. Yeah, I got it. I got it down a little bit. Um, So do, do, you don't like Bloody Marys or Micheladas though, huh? I don't mind a Bloody Mary. I just don't. Um, I don't drink much ever during the day, yeah. especially in the morning. Um, I think I might have one like in Vegas when we go out mm -hmm. there. That would probably be a good time for Bloody Mary. But I feel like Bloody Mary was a big thing in my 20s when I would like, you know, we'd wake up early to get this is before DFS, right? This is you would wake up early on Sunday morning to be the first ones in, in line to get the great seats at the bar um, to be able to watch the, the, the football games all day. And then you like kind of drink your Bloody Marys. Now we're like that, making lineups in the morning. That that plus before getting acid reflux in our uh, our later stages in life, right? Mm -hmm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So we said happy new year earlier and it is January 2nd. So it's not the first, you know, it's not the first day of the year, but uh, people commonly say that when you see somebody for the first time, if you see them often enough, you know, in the first couple days of, of the week, I would say of, of the new year, when, did, when, at, at what point does that kind of become stale to you? when when you see somebody like, Hey, happy new year. Uh, I don't know. February 5th. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like, oh, you go well, pretty deep. I think I think a lot of people, everyone that watches Curb Your Enthusiasm obviously knows that Larry David thing where there's like a moratorium or like there's a time when it's just, you know, you just can't say Happy New Year anymore. Uh, the difficult part with that is, is some people you may not see for the first time in the new year until middle of January, right? End of January. At that point, do you say it? I don't know. So I would probably give it about a week, 10 days. Um, but most people like, you know, people at work or family or friends, whatever, you would have said at that point, happy new year's too. And I think after maybe like the 10th or 11th, um, after that point, I think it's okay to just not say it anymore. How did you guys celebrate the new year's? I, I know that you have the two kids. So did you guys stay in or did you go out? This is our first time, um, not being somewhere and, you know, obviously parents of, of young children, um, we actually were at home. Um, and yeah, and, and I still, you know, so I'm 43, I still have never, um, been asleep before midnight. Like it's a big thing for me, uh, to be awake and to like, you know, be there for like, you know, the ball drop or whatever, like no matter what I'm doing, we'll like stop and like put on the back then it was Dick Clark or the Seacrest, whatever, just, you know, watch that ball drop for like two minutes, do the countdown. So to me, that's a big thing. My wife was 
we were watching Glass Onion, uh, the movie. She was nice. like falling asleep. I was like, no, 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 you cannot leave me. I've never been by myself on, on New Year's. You must not fall asleep. Wait with me. So, you know, turned on the lights, made sure she didn't fall asleep. So uh, that was all that. But I will mention as a kid, um, for me, uh, New Year's was always like a really big deal. Like, you know, I have like, so, you know, former Soviet parents, like Russian parents. And so they would go out um, with their friends on New Year's when we were kids and always like leave us with babysitters. I always had a good babysitter, but the way that they would sort of treat us or, you know, for our New Year's thing is we could get all the junk food we wanted that day uh, because our parents, they wouldn't let us have, you know, like frozen pizza, chips in the house. It was all these like home cooked stuff. So I never got all the goods of like KFC or Taco Bell. But that one day a year, my mom would allow us, she would literally, you know, we could grab like a few things from Taco Bell, a few things from KFC, sure. a few things from McDonald's, and we would like feast my brother and I. So um, you know, since I was a kid, that was like a thing. Uh, but that sounds yeah. good. We ordered out Thai food and, uh, no surprise to you. I was asleep, I think by seven 30. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a long day. Um, I actually had to work that day. So I had put in about 10 hours of work and, um, yeah, I was, I was a bit tired, so I, oh, I di- didn't last. And I, I actually couldn't tell you the last time I was able to stay up, uh, until mi- midnight. But um, different worlds yeah. we live, my friend. Yeah, right. It, uh, much differently, especially with our our two hour time change now. It's mm-hmm. become a little bit difficult for you and I, but we're making it work at FTN. And uh, I think now would be a good time to tell the listeners if they are not aware about the FTN draft guide that we have uh, out right now. It is already available at FTNFantasy.com. Vlad, I will give you the floor to tell the listeners a little bit more about that. Yeah, just ha- I mean, just get it. You know, it's it's pretty uh, pretty straightforward. If you play fantasy baseball, uh, even if you're not ready for it yet, this is you you have to in order to be competitive in fantasy baseball, you got to get a, a head start. You can't just sort of wing it with some of the players. You got to know them all. I think got to know roster construction, get a feel for everything, um, just have a full sort of um, understanding of what's going on. And though it's early January, I think now is a good time to kind of hop in. You don't necessarily have to start doing drafts, but should start reading, start researching, but ftnfantasy.com, you can go slash pricing, ftnfantasy.com slash pricing, and there will be our package. So 20% off, if you use the promo code Davis, you can use the promo code CROSS, you can use the promo code MJGOVIA, whatever you want to use, but use one of our analysts' promo codes to get 20% off the product. You have everything for the entire season. We have about 20 articles in our draft guide right now, including Maddie Davis, including Eric Cross, and a whole bunch of other uh, very smart girls and gals uh, that we have put together. A few guest writers there as well, doing some straight up amazing analysis. Uh, Alex Fast, uh, Shelly V, Jenny Butler, a lot of different folks, a couple NFC, NFFBC, NFBC players, uh, Phil Dusso and Steve Weimer there as well uh, as guest analysts with us. And then Greg Jewett doing an incredible cro- closer piece as, as well. Um, but ftnfantasy.com slash pricing is the site that I would go to to scoop that up. And then, you know, we're starting to pump out the content uh, here in early January. Uh, Maddie Wood's got a piece coming out this week. We have another five different pieces coming out. Projections, uh, you know, cut line rankings, underdog rankings, draft strategy, NFBC strategy, points, auction, anything you want, name it, we'll do it. And that's what I've had that as a common question is, hey, if I get the draft guide now, does that come later on, let's say in season or right now during the off season? Because this this 
this was the first week of January. And like you just mentioned, my first piece is dropping on Wednesday in two days. It'll be uh, the first uh, edition of the is is the juice worth the squeeze, basically an article comparing two players uh, that have at least a 45 pick difference in ADP. So there's got to be a gap there of at least three rounds in a 15 team league. Um, so people have asked me, does it come with Vlad's fab article that's in season? So when you when you go and, and you select this, does it is all of that in the same realm? Everything, yeah. So basically, it's um, you know twenty percent off the fifty, the sixty dollars. So it ends up being like forty five bucks for the season. It includes everything preseason, everything in season. So we're gonna start obviously pumping out those ADP market reports, those juices worth the squeeze, a lot of dynasty content from Eric uh, Govier with a whole bunch of stuff, Adam Young, Alec Blickle, uh, Jake Kutchek. So, and a special person that we are announcing uh, that's going to provide some NFBC content for us. So maybe by the time you hear this podcast, you'll know about this person that will be uh, joining and, and kicking things off with a strategy piece for us on Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, everything's included in season. You get everything through the World Series. Um, that's it. Awesome. All in awesome. One. Looking forward to it. We're actually going to be giving away uh, three of these as well. So it'll come with the draft guide, all the in-season and uh, off-season content, which is currently being uh, pr- produced right now over at ftnfantasy.com. Um, and I'm going to tweet out about that tomorrow. So all you're going to have to basically do is follow me on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast that you're listening to right now, and just leave us a rating and review. And we're going to be giving away three of those. So the in-season content, the draft guide, et cetera. As well as uh, I was talking to Kevin, he's like, well, throw in, you know, an FTN hat and shirt, too. So he wants to give away a little bit of swag as well. So you'll get the content and the clothing to go with it. Um, And we're going to be giving away three of those uh, coming at the end of or the beginning of next week, I should say, or the end of this week. I don't remember the the closing date on that, but I'll tweet all of that out tomorrow and there will be a link to the podcast. So you can click on that directly, go straight to it and just tap subscribe, hit a rating and leave us a quick little review and you are in to win. Vlad, let's get into some baseball recent news and notes. Most of the major signings um, have pretty much sufficed, but over Christmas break and New Year's break, we'll call it, um, there have been a couple of you know uh, signings, we'll say. But the biggest one I would probably say is Gene Segura signing with Miami, two years, $17 million. Um, he's not third base eligible as of right now, but he will be eventually because that is the plan with Miami is for them to move Gene Segura on over to third base. So as of right now, Segura is second base eligible on NFBC over the last month, his ADP is 233. Um, do you have any tidbits, thoughts, or any notes you want to give on Segura? Yeah, I, I wanted to mention it. It was interesting roster resource uh, when they, uh, Jason Martinez there does an amazing job, but when they first came out, uh, when the Segura news came out, I saw Segura there somewhere in like the middle of the lineup, which to me didn't make much sense. And obviously their projected go-to starting lineup is usually the one that would, would go up against right-handers, but they do have right now, um, as of now, just move Segura to the top of the lineup. I'm not sure how that's going to shake out, but obviously being at the top of the lineup, lots more value there. If that is the case, um, you know, it, not sure what the lineup will look like against lefties or against righties. Um, but I'm thinking probably like John birdie, for example, would be near the top of the lineup against lefties and maybe jazz Chisholm, who's basically their best overall hit him uh, hitter um, is <laughs> going to basically hit lower in the lineup against lefties. Uh, we'll still be in the lineup against lefties, maybe hitting second as opposed to first, 
But Gene Segura is one of those guys that he doesn't wow you in any one specific category. He just kind of plugs some holes for you. So um, one of those guys where if it starts getting like the ADP starts getting out of control because he's hitting a lot of leadoff early in the year and, you know, you see him stealing bases in camp and things like that. And that ends up pushing him up too high. I think that would be a concern. There'd be a point where I just would not be interested in Gene Segura anymore because I'm not expecting much upside out of him. Uh, usually, no, I'm going to get a good batting average from him, something in the 270, 290 range, most likely. Um, home runs, probably not more than 10 to 15. Stolen bases, not more than 10 to 15. Um, you know, not quite an accumulator because he's not like really wreck- wrecking up the stats, but just a nice, solid, sort of boring guy. So I- I'm good with it at price if I need it at that point in the draft. He stole 13 bases last year in Miami was second overall in stolen bases. So I think that um, the double digit speed is still a little, uh, it should be sustainable um, given the team landscape. Uh, Philadelphia also ran as well. They were one of eight teams to steal over a hundred bases on the year, but Skip Schumacher is going to be the new manager in Miami. Um, he's taking over for Don Mattingly, but I, I, I would, Skip's first year, I I would assume that things aren't going to change too much on the aggressive side, especially because Miami needs to try and produce runs as many ways as possible. So, um, yeah, hoping for the best for him, and he will gain uh, position eligibility there a little bit more, multi-position eligibility, I should say. And the same will actually go for Jazz Chisholm. I think is the plan for him to play shortstop? I I think that that was – I read that somewhere. I could be wrong. But um, I think Jazz might move over or something – Something might second, be. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking second base, and then between Joey Wendell and Miguel Rojas, they'll have a platoon going there at shortstop. So, okay, you know, Wendell can kind of play all around the diamond, usually That's plays their third or, or, or short. But you got Wendell, the left handed bat, will hit against righties, and then Rojas pretty much only hits lefties well, but plays decent defense. So, he'll be the guy in against lefties. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Schumacher there as the new manager. I kind of, I, I was actually doing Marlins projections last night, and uh. I've got about five guys with double-digit stolen bases. This actually might be a good source of stolen mm-hmm. bases, this team here. And, and Segura's there. He's not one of those like big stolen base guys, but you know, uh, uh, chipping in a few I think would be pretty nice. Absolutely. Uh, you and I, we are both currently drafting a slow draft. It's a 400 draft champions over at the NFPC, which is 50 rounds. It's a draft and hold. Um, basically, what you have is what you get but it's deep. And in the 26th round, I like your 26th round pick and it was Taylor Rogers. And he recently uh, signed a three-year deal with the San Francisco giants joining his twin brother um, is three years, 33 million. So on average, 11, 11 per year. Um, and you drafted him in the 26th round. Why don't you give us a little bit on your thoughts on Taylor Rogers and the potential there? Yeah, I mean, hopefully this isn't a uh, he owes me from last year type of scenario uh, <laughs> in the back of my head. But I mean, the truth is he was, I don't know, I think he was in the top 10 among closers taken. So last year he ended up with an ADP in the top 100 because he was closing um, uh, and ga- grabbing a, a, a whole bunch of saves last season. His first half was insane. One of the most insane things you've ever seen. And then completely dropped off in the second half, was serving up and runs every game, blowing saves. Um, was no longer getting called on to close and velocity drop. That's actually really the big thing, big deal, big concern there with Taylor Rogers. But he's been one of the most, I guess, consistent guys previous to last year. One of the most consistent guys when he's healthy as far as left-handed relievers go. And I think there are going to be some opportunities for him to snag some saves there in San Francisco. We know that that's a team that uh, 
um, you know, Cam seeing Camilo Duvall um, grab all those saves last season was um, not something we're used to with this, uh, the way that bullpen operates. And I believe, I mean, I saw something preseason that basically said that, uh, you know, Duvall um, is awesome. They love him. He's been great. They may not call upon him for all the opportunities. And so seeing somebody like Rogers come in who may get uh, opportunities to grab some saves is is a solid possibility there. So we'll see, you know, big arm in a great home park. As long as the velocity gets back up, I think he, he's a he's a solid sort of like secondary uh, closer on a team for these draft and holds. Outside of that, not really all that much value. You've got to be pretty damn good to still post a 23.7K minus walk rate, and that was coming off of a 30.7% strikeout rate. And for us to be like, yeah, and he had a down year, you know, it's, it's pretty pretty impressive to still boast those sort of metrics and and be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're low on him, right? You're, you've bought about a 19-round dip versus last year, um, albeit that the projections aren't going to have as many saves coming into this season as he did last year. I think that that's... Uh, Plenty, you know, fair price for him in the 26th round, especially in these draft and holds where you're not messing with fab and you can just, you know, kind of mix and match when things are working out for a player. And I, I think that there will certainly be some viable weeks for Taylor Rogers. What about Nady Evaldi, the Texas Rangers? They keep spending money. They keep adding to their rotation and they bring in Nate on a two year, $34 million deal, 17 per any interest in Nate Evaldi. Yeah, I mean, always a little bit. And and there's always something enticing about a player uh, moving uh, to a new park, especially a little bit of an upgrade as far as division goes, uh, opponents that they're facing, and also um, the, the, the the home stadium itself. So, you know, obviously Texas, uh, Arlington, it's a little bit of a better place to pitch. But Yavaldi did have a down season last year. We saw... Uh, for example, hard hit hard hit rate against him went up considerably from like a 38% career average. He was at like 45% last season. Barrel rate, usually in the 6 to 8% range, it was around 11%. And granted, he was hurt for part of the year. Um, so all the numbers sort of went down. Only made 20 starts. Um, but you pretty much know what you're getting uh, from him. He's obviously got that insane four-seamer. And um, yeah, he's... It's interesting how Texas is trying to build a little bit of a monster here. This the staff has amazing upside. Obviously, if Degrom is healthy all season, um, you know the the rest of these guys just kind of fall in line into like they are what they are. I guess you could say with you know John Gray, your boy. Um, I think he's probably the oh. second best guy here. Um, Andrew Heaney, you know exactly what you're getting out of the guy, um, which is basically you don't know what you're getting from start to start. <laughs> That's what you're getting. You're either getting, you know, 10 strikeouts and, um, you know, in five innings or just absolutely bludgeoned, um, you know. So. Yeah, that's funny. You know that you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So last year, Nate Evaldi actually made one of uh, my is the juice worth the squeeze articles. And I I actually was reading the last part of that conclusion today as I was uh, curating the one for this season. And it was Jack Flaherty versus Nate Evaldi and the, the ADP, the, you know, was pretty substantial between the two. And uh, I guess I was right on that. Evaldi ended up earning a dollar and Jack Flaherty was at negative five. So <laughs> neither, neither necessarily, uh, you know, really did well for you, but um, it, I guess Evaldi did better than Flaherty. Um, it, Eric Hosmer's is in the news, always seems to be in the news one way or the other. 
going from team to team, uh, not impressing anybody. But it sounds like the Cubs are warming up to signing him, and it sounds like that's probably going to happen. It's not set in stone or anything like that yet, but um, there are a couple of other Chicago Cubs that are currently going at a decent cost, I should say. One of them is the, the youngster, Matt Mervis. Uh, with an ADP of 259 over the last month. And then you also have um, going a bit later is Patrick Wisdom, who's corner infielder. They were maybe having him slide over to first base. Um, Chris Morrell can play the corners uh, a little bit as well. Um, he's pretty versatile. If if they do bring in Eric Hosmer, does that pump the brakes on any of those guys if you were looking at any of them in DCs? I think you – did you get Mervis in mm – -hmm. He's one of yeah. He's one of the guys I have most um, exposure to in my early drafts. I did like okay. six gladiators. Uh, five of those were slow drafts, and then I'm on my third DC. Uh, and I, I do have a lot of exposure to Matt Mervis. The funny part about it is, in Arizona Fall League, when Matt Mervis was mashing and people were drafting and they were you know taking him pretty high, he kind of had that like you know that Arizona um, uh, lift from him. And I was like, man, that's ridiculous. I would never take him there. That's crazy. And I was like in my head kind of poo-pooing this like, you know, this inflation on players based on how they're performing, literally what we're watching them do in the Arizona Fall League. But then when push came to shove in my draft, he was available at a spot where, hey, this makes sense here as a corner infield uh, with power, needing some upside. So I will take a stab. Um, but again, yeah, the, the, it's pretty clear that um you know it's not going to be like the matt mervis show from day one he may not even start with them on the major league roster because either eric hosmer or trey mancini or someone's going to come there to essentially block him out and of course injuries could take toll uh patrick wisdom could just go absolutely in the tank because he's just kind of a, a one-trick pony so there are a lot of outs there for matt mervis to like earn a spot in camp and be a you know a solid part of the lineup but it's just funny like even watching the roster resource go from like it was like matt mervis hitting fifth now he's hitting seventh and then watch as soon as he you know they, they sign hosmer or mancini it's like and then boom he's on the bench next thing you know he'll be on the you know it's all projected right we don't actually know what's going to happen here but yeah i probably would pump the brakes on mervis just because yes they absolutely could get blocked by a bum like eric hosmer hopefully he does not listen to this pod or <laughs> by uh trey mancini who's uh not a bum and if you do, Eric Hosmer, be sure to follow me on Twitter, subscribe to the pod, leave us mm -hmm. a rating and review, and you can get an FTN draft guide. Um, mm -hmm. One thing I will say, though, about Matt Mervis before moving on is you did draft him a, a three, a, on average, three rounds later than he was going on ADP at the time, or over the last month, I should say. And I'm, I'm using over the last month right now because we just don't have as much draft sample data. A lot of people were doing these gladiators, so we we had people gravitating to that versus starting off with their draft champions. Now that the gladiator contest is full, you're starting to see more fantasy baseball players gravitate to the draft champions. So as we get closer and closer um, to February, I will then shorten when when you and I are discussing ADP in the current fantasy baseball market. I'll shorten that up to about two weeks, but I need a, a bigger sample size. So I'm, I'm still using a month that seems kind of stale and you are going to have um, a little bit wider range uh, in, in some of these guys. But yeah, when you took him last or earlier this week, what, what, I don't even know what day it is, but um, yeah, that was 50 picks above his ADP or 60 picks actually above his ADP. So I can't knock you on that one. Um, let's move on. The last one was... Uh, 
Evan, Evan Longoria um, signing with Arizona. He's going to play third base. It's on a one-year deal. He gets hurt, um, you know, over the last few years. He's had some injury, his, uh, injury history. And so, I, you know, if you're in the four to five hundreds and you need a third baseman, corner infield depth, take a shot on Longoria, I guess. Another yeah, analysis. exactly. It, yeah, It's crowded there. Yeah, yeah. Josh Rojas, um, you know, a, a bunch of guys there. So maybe not the best draft and hole pickup. Just pick them up in season when you might need them. We talked about Gladiator and draft champions player exposure. Who out of your combined eight drafts as of now is the player you have the most exposure slash shares of? Well, I'm not going to give, uh, I'm not going to give that uh, cookie uh, okay. per se, <laughs> uh, but I will say I do have, well, I mean, whatever you already know, I've got some Matt Mervis. Mm -hmm. um, I do end up ha landing on a lot of Lance McCullers just based on where he is falling in drafts and hoping that he stays healthy, but I feel like he's under valued per his current ADP of around 200. Um, and then I guess I have a lot of Taylor Ward. I just like a lot of the, uh, the angels bats this year, as crazy as it may sound. Love it. All right. Well, thank you for giving that. And before we get out of here, you, if possible, can you give us a fade that you're adamant on in the first two rounds of fantasy baseball drafts? So picks one through 30 on average. Is there one player that you're certain on that you won't have any exposure to this season well you had you had mentioned um you, i don't know there, there are a lot of different plays that i'm not gonna go for um guys how do i put this so if, if dylan cease and sandy alcantara are top 30 guys if i think they're right outside of there um but i don't think the way the board is falling these days um that i'm going to be taking a one of those two starting pitchers as like the number two or three uh, pitcher off the board in the second round. So I, I think I, I, if I don't have like a Burns or Cole, I'll probably be waiting on the next pitcher. Um, so I would say those two guys for starters. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up to you is the Bobby Witt thing. Um, it kind of baffles me. I did take him in a DC. I took him seventh uh, overall just because I'm going to have a lot of teams. And I'm going to mix things up, but like, I don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't feel all that comfortable. And I know Bobby Witt Jr. is a stud. I know that you know, still what 30 bases as a rookie and could hit 30, 30 next season with ease in the middle of a lineup that's getting better with Vinny P and Sal Perez. And, um, and, and there's a lot of good here, but I'm just like looking at in a league where stolen bases will probably get bumped up a little bit. I don't think it'll be as scarce of an asset. And you've got, you're looking at somebody like Witt Jr. And you compare him against like a Randy Rosarena who goes a few rounds later. Is there really much of a difference between those two, considering both are sort of batting average risk? So um, that's the thing I'm going to start trying to think about and dig into. Like, I understand he's a fun name. Everybody wants to own Bobby Wood Jr. But um, um, I want to look into, you know, whether somebody in his second full season here is really worth that first round pick. If like if there's somebody that could be a bust, I feel like maybe it could be him. My rankings are not complete yet, but I'll tell you right now that Bo Bichette will be ranked above Bob Witt at shortstop for me. Mm -hmm. um, I can I'm see it. already uh, confident in that one. Um, just looking at the shortstop position alone, those are the two guys uh, and Trey Turner going in the first round. Um, I'd certainly prefer Trey Turner and uh, Bo Bichette over Bobby Witt. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you said Bobby Witt. I wasn't sure if you were going to spit the fire because people, people love Bobby Witt. We're enamored with them. 
Um, we like all the tools that he possesses and, you know, like you mentioned, the ascending Royals lineup. So uh, I'm glad that you had the, you had the marbles to uh, mention somebody that is uh, much adored in the fantasy baseball community. Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining me. Uh, as always, please um, plug anything that you would like to before getting out of here. Ah, just uh, get ready for the uh, the podcast that we'll be back to our full hour here in a couple of weeks and uh, keep an eye out for projections coming out probably middle uh, second, third week of January. We're going to have full five by five projections. Uh, um, you know, if you got the high stakes package, if you end up getting the high stakes package for FTN baseball, we can get those customized for you as well. So lots of different things going on. Make sure you join us. Uh, but thanks for having me, Maddie. It's great to kick off the new year. Uh, with you, my good friend, and talking some baseball. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Merry New Year. That is Vlad Sedler. Follow him on Twitter at RotoGut. And uh, him and I will be back together, uh, as you mentioned, at some point. And I will be back next week with Patrick Davitt uh, on Mondays with Maddie Wood. See you then. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast with Matthew Davis and Vlad Sedler. Make sure to follow your host on Twitter at underscore Matty Wood underscore and at RotoGut. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.